Wow, man, it was, hi. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it was so nice to worship today. Uh, I, I missed a couple of weeks because of a, a mission trip, which was really fun in New Orleans. And be encouraged to work. Uh, many of you guys support InterVarsity. We had a great three weeks of taking students down to New Orleans. We were building houses. Um, and it was a mix of folks that know Jesus and then a mix of folks that are curious about their spiritual journey. And we had a lot of students come to Christ and we built a bunch of houses. And then a tornado hit the Ninth Ward a week after we built some houses and <laughs> probably tore some more down. So we'll be going back next year. Um, so anyway, well, it's great to be here, and I just love visiting uh, Christ Church. So, um, well, I, I, um, I wanted to open just by telling you guys uh, an embarrassing story about my wife. So she, <laughs> she gave me permission. Um, we have, um, we have a, uh, Noah just turned 12, and he had a sleepover last night, and, uh, and it reminded me that when Sarah... My wife was about that age. She was at camp, and she was at summer camp, and she had a crush on a boy at summer camp, and uh, she got his address, and then anyway, afterwards, she wrote him letters. You know, she wrote him a letter, hoping that he would write back, um, but he never did, <laughs> so... So she wrote him another letter, and uh, he didn't write back. And so she wrote him another letter. And this happened several times, and eventually Sarah realized, oh, you know, maybe I should stop writing letters. Um, but it was, it, was a very, uh, it was a very disappointing experience for her. And it reminded me that without two-way communication, you can't have a relationship, can you? Like if it's just you writing letters to someone and you never hear back from them. You can't have a, a real relationship. And the essence of relationship is a two-way communication. Um, but for many of us, many of us in the church, our relationship with God can feel like a one-way street sometimes. Like it's, it can feel like Sarah's relationship with this boy at camp that didn't send her any letters back. You know, we write letters to God or we pray prayers to God but oftentimes we don't get anything back. And I think we, we get used to that. At least I know I did. Uh, when I first became a Christian, I thought, oh, this is how communication with God works. I talk to him, but I don't necessarily hear anything back. But as I think about it, that's not a real relationship, is it? Um, and so for many of us in the church, we know that God speaks through the scriptures. We know that he spoke in the past of the prophets and the apostles and the kings. But um, what, we, what we don't realize is that God is not like this lousy 12-year-old boy from camp that didn't send my wife a letter back. He actually wants to talk to us. He wants a two-way communication with us, and God is speaking all the time. And so we're in this series called Could It Be? I don't know if it's still up there. Um, and we're talking about God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And so my question this morning is, could it be that the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, is able to communicate regularly with us, to speak to us in a way that can renew us and restore us, and in a way, actually, that we were designed to need God to speak to us that way. Um, and I'm convinced, and part of why I was so excited to come down here and share with you guys is I'm actually convinced that of all the practices that um, followers of Jesus need to grow and flourish in our faith, the practice of 
of talking to God and then listening to God's voice back to us. That two-way communication with God is actually the most vital behavior of Christians. Um, And so this morning, I I want us to look at the story of Elijah, part of the story. It's a long, you know, crazy story. But, uh, and I wanna look at what it reveals to us about about this idea of two-way communication with God. Does that sound good? And then I wanna share, so I wanna share three insights from this story, and then I wanna share um, a simple strategy that's changed my life about helping me hear from God. All right, so here we go. 1 Kings 19, if you have a Bible, you're welcome to turn along. It'll also be uh, up on the board behind us. Um, So, little little background in uh, in case you don't remember. Elijah has just had his, prophetic showdown with the 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. This was the, uh, Israel was in a time of apostasy, turning away from God, and so Elijah has his <laughs> moment on the top of Mount Carmel, uh, and, and he wins the showdown, and God sends fire, and Israel says, oh, the Lord is God, and then he says, kill all the prophets of Baal, but now um, he he hears that uh, the, uh, the apostate king and queen of Israel want him dead. And so here, here, here it starts in 1 Kings 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets of Baal with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. That's a good prayer. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the, broom, uh, under the bush and fell asleep. At once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So this is the word of the Lord. So I wanna share three insights about this uh, idea of communicating with God. Uh, The first insight is that um, we need to hear God's voice. We need to hear God's voice, and especially when we're at the end of our rope. We need to hear God's voice, all of us do. Human beings, need to hear God's voice. We were designed to listen to God, and especially we need it when we're at the end of our rope. So Elijah was at the end of his rope. Uh, You heard him say it twice. He feels like he's not the only prophet left. He's not the only faithful Israelite left in this time of apostasy, but he feels like he is. God's like, I got 7,000 others. Don't worry, Elijah. But he says, no, I'm the only one left. Um, you know, God had just sent a, dr- a drought, you know, and an accompanying famine to Israel. And uh, Elijah got to be the one to announce that. So God's like, hey, guess what? You get to be like Bruno from, you know, Encanto and tell these people that uh, I'm not, it's not gonna rain for three years. And he's like, I don't wanna be that messenger. But he got to tell them and then it stopped raining. So er- everyone already wanted him dead, Right? And then comes this epic showdown on Mount Carmel. And on the one hand, Elijah, I mean, he shows up. He goes up against 450 prophets and wins. But on the other hand, that must have taken a lot out of him, right? That was a huge act of faith. And so he was exhausted. And then then he prays for the rains to come and he's interceding seven times. He's praying for the rains to come. Some of you guys are here on Sunday nights, right, at the prayer meeting. Sometimes prayer is hard work, right? You're praying for something. It's almost like sometimes, you know, actually the position Elijah was in when he was praying was actually the position that the ancient Hebrew woman uh, would be in uh, for labor, you know. So he is laboring to birth these rains. And so he's praying hard and finally they come. And then when they come, he runs down the mountain. He runs 12 miles, uh, you know, to get to Jezreel. And he outruns the chariot. So that, you know, that was a lot. And then, how many of you guys outrun chariots these days? I, I used to be able to outrun a chariot, not so, <laughs> you know, my back hurts. Actually, after the service, we're gonna have prayer up here and I'm gonna come up and ask someone to pray for my back. So, um, uh, actually, no, it wasn't 12 miles, it was 27 miles. So a marathon to Jezreel. And then he gets to Jezreel and he hears that, uh, Ahab and Jezebel are not only want him dead, but basically they've made a solemn oath. Basically, they're put out a hit on him. So then he he ran for his life 115 miles to Beersheba. And the only reason he stopped there was that was the end of the road, basically. Like in ancient Israel, they would 
they would describe the nation as from Dan to Beersheba. That was like north to south. So this is as far as the road goes. And then when he got there, he went another day's journey into the wilderness. And that's where he says, I'm toast, Lord, just kill me. Because he, he didn't even want to live anymore. And so Elijah's at the end of his rope. And, but what he needs and what God knows he needs is he needs a conversation with God, right? He needs, and the food was fine, the, the food that he showed up by the angel, um, but he needs to talk to God. Elijah knew the scriptures, he knew the Bible, but what he needs is a direct encounter with God, and that's why God sends him to Mount Horeb. And friends, I believe that we need direct encounters with God as well. So even if you haven't had a showdown on Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal, um, you need to hear God's voice. We've, we think of it, we've been through a lot, haven't we? What are some of the things we've been through in the last couple years? We've had pandemics, we've had, now we have a war happening in Europe. Uh, we've been through tumultuous political uh, stuff. We've been through scandals in the church, and that's just the stuff outside. And then we have our own issues, right? We have our own stuff. Uh, we have we have all the difficulties in our own families and work lives and um, our kids, and and so I think if you dig under the surface, for many of us, we're tired. Right? Maybe we we show up week to week, but we're we're tired deep down, and some of us feel malaise. Some of us feel anxiety. Some of us feel depressed, especially in the winter time in New England. Um, some of us feel confusion. We don't know what the next move is for us. Some of us just feel blah. Have you ever felt kind of blah in the last couple of years? Have you ever felt meh? <laughs> you know what we need? We need to talk with God. That's what we need. Jesus said in the same wilderness that Elijah went into, Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that word Jesus used, you know, there's two words for word, two words for word in, in Greek. There's the logos, that's like the scriptures, that's the timeless written word of God. But the word Jesus uses is rhema, which is a different word. And that, that rhema is really like the timely, spoken voice of God. Elijah on the mountain hears a gentle whisper. And the reality is that God has given us his word as our theological plumb line, as our perfect rule for faith and doctrine, but he also wants to speak a fresh, personal word into our lives, a rhema. And so we need that. Elijah needed the rhema from God when he was at the end of his rope, and I think some of us need to hear God's gentle whisper today. I know I, I, know I do, and even just being here in church, I'm convicted, like, I need to set aside some space and time to hear God's voice. It's, this has been a hard season for me. But you know what I don't need? I don't need another Netflix. I don't need like another two or three glasses of wine at night. What I need is God's voice. Um, so we need to hear God's voice. Here's the second insight from this scripture. Um, we need and God wants two-way communication with us. We, God wants two-way communication with us. We need two-way communication with God. Um, turn, turn to your neighbor and say, two-way communication. 
That's what you need, all right? If you're married, you know, with your spouse, you need two-way communication. If you have a good friend, you know, even if you have kids, right, you need two-way communication. But we need two-way communication with God. And God wants that with us. He really does. So in this scripture, when Elijah finally gets to the mountain, what does God do? He, he asks him a question. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, here, here's just an interesting thought. Don't you think God already knows the answer to that question? Like, is, is God omniscient in the... He knows all things. Is he omnipresent? You know, he, know, he already knows the answer. Um, so why does he ask? Why does he ask Elijah the question? And then Elijah answers the question, right? And then what does God do? He asks him the same question again, right? So if he wasn't already omniscient, he just heard Elijah's answer, and then he asks again. And Elijah says the same thing. So why does God ask us questions? You know, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he asked so many questions, didn't he? You just read through the scriptures, just pay attention to how many questions Jesus asked. The reason God asks us questions is because he wants us to talk to him. And sometimes, he, know, he already knows what's happening in us. Sometimes he just wants us to figure that out for ourselves. Um, and I think, actually, if, if, if we're aware of it, God is asking us questions all the time. He's asking you questions right now. He's always asking us, what are you doing here? What do you want? What's on your heart? What are you concerned about? What are you worried about right now? And God wants us to tell him. But that, and that's half the car. That's one way God wants us to talk to him. But what if Elijah talked to God and he didn't hear anything back from God, right? That's like Sarah at camp. I have my own story. You guys wanna hear my story of this? First girl I ever dated. Okay, there was this girl in seventh grade. Her name was Lisa. She was a cheerleader at Sac Sacagawea Junior High School. Um, anyway, I went to one of those middle school dances, you know, where the boys stand on one side, the girls stand on the other, and then they kind of come out and like, do you want to dance? Anyway, so I ended up dancing with Lisa, and I realized, oh, I'm a boy and you're a girl. Wow. And it was, uh, it's an amazing experience to, you know, and then I was like, wow, whatever this hit of dopamine is, like, I need more of this. So... I wrote her a note, and I was like, do you want to be my girlfriend? You know, check the box, yes or no. She checked yes. So I was like, great, we're, we're boyfriend and girlfriend now. Now what? <laughs> now what do we do? So um, her idea was she wanted to talk to me. It's a crazy idea. So that, I think we danced on the Friday night, and then, you know, sometime the next week, anyway, um, she, uh, she called my house, you know, the phone rang and my mom said, who's Lisa? You know, and, and part of this was like, I wasn't really allowed to date when I was 13. So, so I was like, I'm sorry, Lisa, I can't talk to you, bye. <laughs> Which, you know, was not good date. That was not a good way to sustain a relationship. Anyway, Lisa didn't give up on me. 
So then Monday morning, she's like, Greg, do you want to sit together at the cafeteria so we can talk? And I was like, I think my friends will make fun of me. Like, no, I need to sit with my friends. And so that was about it. And then three days later, I got a note back from Lisa. I was like, I'm sorry, this just isn't working out for me. (laughs) So anyway, the point is, if only one person talks, you can't have a relationship. And for many of us, though, I, I do think this is a lot of times our experience with God. And I know for me, this was my experience with God. When I became a Christian, I knew about the Father and the Son and the Holy Bible, Um, but I didn't know about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit actually lives inside me. I knew that, but I didn't know that actually the Holy Spirit can speak and does speak, Um, and that God longs for two-way communication. And so that's what we see, though, in this passage, is that Elijah talks to God and God talks back. So Here's the third insight about, uh, about uh, two-way communication from this passage. Two-way communication with God breathes power and purpose and direction into our lives. So Elijah talks to God's like, why are you here, Elijah? Elijah tells him, I'm the only one. Oh, feel bad for me. And then he's like, why are you here, Elijah? But then, um, here's what's really interesting. After they talk back and forth, God gives Elijah a long set of instructions, you know, uh, practical things. All right, I want you to go anoint this dude over Aram, and I want you to go anoint this guy king, and then go find a successor, and then, by the way, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And on the first read, this is not particularly inspiring, you know, it's not comforting, it's like, oh, poor you, Elijah, or whatever, Um, because here's this exhausted prophet who just wants to die, and then God's like, I got a to-do list for you, Elijah. And keep in mind, God was very nice to Elijah. He gave him a long time to recuperate. He fed him the bread, you know, he gave him some quiet time. Uh, but now here's his instructions. But here's the thing that's interesting about this long set of instructions. It's actually what Elijah needs. It's the thing he really needs. Why? Because these are words from God. So it's one thing when another person, like our boss, our spouse, gives us a to-do list. But it's a totally different thing when it comes from God. Because when God speaks to us, It's the same voice that spoke the universe into existence. God's voice is a powerful, generative voice. It carries with it inherently the power and the energy that's needed to fulfill the thing that God's asking us to do. So in Isaiah, he says, as the the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return without watering the earth and bringing forth bread for the eater and Seed for the sower, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. God's word is generative. And and when we hear a word from God, it actually gives us the power and the energy that we need to fulfill it. 
Isn't that incredible? And God's word also gives wisdom, right? God, many of us are confused about what we're supposed to do. Um, but when God speaks to us, his ways are higher than our, our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so when we hear from God, it actually gives us divine strategies that bring fruit in life in our life. There's a million things we could do today, right? There's a million things we could do. But if we follow the leadership of God and we do the things that he tells us to do, it's going to bring life and flourishing to us and to the people around us. Um, this, this is slightly too fresh to share, but um, you know, some of us feel like, even, may even feel like we're at a dead end and we don't know how to move forward in the place that we are. And I don't, I don't know if I'm talking to anyone, but that, that was me this year. I feel like this year, I felt like I kind of hit a brick wall. I felt like I came to the end and I did not see a way forward. And I'm so thankful that God began to speak to me because um, God can speak into a dead end situation and all of a sudden you're like, oh, there is a way forward. Like he can make a way. How many of you have had that experience? You felt totally stuck you didn't know how to move forward, and then God made a way, right? And so if any of you are there, I just wanna encourage you, don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't try to like, you know, strategize your way out of that situation. Just ask God, Lord, what do I do? And wait and listen, because he can make a way. By the way, I think too, it's just a word to parents. Sometimes when we're parenting, we're at a dead end. I know I'm a parent, I have kids that are asking really tough questions I don't know the answer to. And one of my convictions is too that kids can hear the voice of God. Sometimes they can hear it better than we can uh, because they don't have all the filters and blinders that we have. And um, some, when our kids get to a dead end situation or our grandkids, you know, one of the most best things we can do is not like try to come up with the answer ourselves, but just lead them into the presence of God and teach them how to hear what he's saying. So we need God to speak. God wants to communicate with us. And when we dialogue with God, our lives are filled with purpose and direction and power. So great, Greg, sounds good. But how do I hear God's voice? There's a, I just wanna wrap um, by actually sharing with you guys um, maybe some tips. Is that cool if I get practical, some tips? Because I'm gonna give you a challenge at the end of the sermon um, to sometimes this, sometime this week, um, make some time and listen for God's voice. And so I wanna just share um, a, a, a way, a, a spiritual practice that I've learned. Um, in the old school, they would call this the, an Ignatian colloquy because St. Ignatius came up with this idea of using our imagination to see and listen to Jesus. Um, a colloquy means a dialogue two-way conversation. Um, this is not the only way to hear from God, and we all hear in many different ways, so this doesn't work for you, that's okay, but it's changed my life. And so um, I wanna share it with you guys. I heard it, um, I learned about it in a book called Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice, um, which if you Google it right now, you're gonna think I'm a total whack job because the, the cover is very scary, uh, it's very hokey, but the book is actually really helpful, so... Um, so I would pick it up, I would read it, I would recommend it. Don't be, don't be afraid by the cover. 
Hey, so how do we hear God's voice? And if you, ha- if you wanna take notes here, it's not, it's not very complicated, all right? So the first step is we have to quiet ourselves, okay? Um, so Elijah was quiet for a very long time. He was quiet for 40 days before he heard God's voice. I don't think we need 40 days. I, I think we need 10 minutes maybe, or maybe four minutes just to quiet ourselves. But we have a lot of times external noise. There's a siren, right? Hear that? There's all kinds of distractions all the time. If you have little ones, they, are, they can be distracting. Um, and so we need to figure out how can we quiet the external noise so that we're able to listen. Um, I like to find a quiet place, close the door. Um, I have a prayer chair, which it hangs from the ceiling. It's super cool, it's like a hammock. And that's kind of my like Pavlovian cue when I sit in that chair, like, oh, it's time to talk to God. Um, I like to play soaking worship music with no words because I am slightly ADD, so that helps me, uh, that helps me quiet. Also, we have internal noise, don't we? We have our to-do lists. Uh, we have all kinds of things we're worried about. So my, my, my late uh, mother-in-law had a box, and the, on the box was just stuff for Jesus to do, and she had little cards, and so when she came to listen to God, if there was just things that were going through her mind, she would write it down, just put it in the box. And that would help her quiet herself. Um, And sometimes we do. It helps to get away. It can help to get away. Go to Starbucks. Put in earplugs, you know. Um, Okay, so quiet ourselves. Second, we come to God with a question. Okay, Elijah didn't know his question. God had to prompt him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What what do you want from me, Elijah? Um, But when we want an answer from God, it helps to bring a question. So I think some things I started with are, God, how do you feel about me? God, do you love me? God, is there anything you wanna say to me? So what's your question for God? What's the thing you wanna talk to him about? What's the thing you want him to weigh in on your, in your life? Um, sometimes it could be something you're afraid to ask, and that, you know, you don't have to start there, but... Sometimes we just need to push through because God's answers are gracious and he loves us. Okay, so third, we look at Jesus. We look at Jesus. So the goal is we turn our attention to Jesus. In Ephesians 1, Paul asks that the eyes of his heart would be enlightened. So you can imagine your heart has little spiritual eyes, right? So how do we train those eyes on Jesus? And one of the things, especially with kids, that's super helpful, and adults, by the way, we, God's given us an imagination. And so we can actually imagine ourselves with Jesus. Uh, some of you can just go to your favorite place with Jesus. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's like the lobster shack by uh, Narragansett Beach. You know, and just you're walking there, you and Jesus are gonna go get a lobster roll together, and that's where you are, you know, but wherever it is, And then you just look at Jesus and you bring that question and you notice, does he do anything? And what does he he say? All right? Fourth, we listen for God's voice, okay? Elijah heard a gentle whisper. There was an earthquake, there was a fire, there was all that stuff. 
But that wasn't God. God was in the gentle whisper. Growing up, I, I did not know how to hear God's voice. I assumed God's voice would be um, something external to me, right? Out there in the sky, a neon sign. Greg, this is God. I'm talking to you, you know? Or I assumed I would hear an audible voice. Oh, Greg, this is God. I am talking to you. I have never heard that. But what was really helpful to me was realizing where God lives. Where does God live? God lives in me. And so, where should I expect the voice of God to come from? From inside. And the God who created your mind, who created your mind to be able to precipitate thoughts into your brain, is able to hijack the very apparatus he created and introduce some of his own thoughts into your brain, right? Sometimes your brain is full of many thoughts. Many of them are yours. Some of them are your mom, right? (laughs) Clean your room. (laughs) Some of them are the devil. The devil can sneak thoughts in, and some of them are God. Um, but when we're quiet, when we come to God with a question, when we're looking at Jesus, we should pay attention to that flow of thoughts in our brain because some of them will feel very profound. There are thoughts that we could not have come up with on our own. And we're like, ooh. Step five, when those thoughts come, write them down, okay? Write those things down. So on your phone, in a journal, keep track. Um, partly, uh, this can help you focus if you're like me, but also um, it enables you to remember it and test it later, okay? So when you're writing the thoughts down, don't be the internal critic, don't use your left brain, okay? This is where you wanna go with the right brain. Even if you're a you know, mechanical engineer that works at electric boat, you need to turn off your internal editor and just receive the thoughts in childlike faith, okay? Now, later, you turn on your left brain, and that's where you test them, okay? So, final thought, you test them. Uh, First First Thessalonians 5 says, do not despise prophecy, but test everything, okay? So, we receive it in childlike faith, and then we test it. And so, the three places we test it, number one, against Scripture. This is our internal, our, our, our plumb line, our this is how we measure all other revelation is against the scripture. If it doesn't line up with scripture, guess what? It's not from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures so it will line up if it's from God. Secondly, where do we test it? Community. Do other discerning, spirit-filled Christians feel like this is the, sounds like Jesus, basically. This sounds like what's in the Bible, okay? So the root of all heresy is doing things alone. So I would encourage you if, um, to have a group of spiritual advisors if you're growing in this practice, two or three people that you can share some of these things. It's super vulnerable, but it's also incredibly encouraging when other people say, yes, this sounds like Jesus to me. Um, finally, we test it against common sense. God is a God of order and logic. He's not a God of chaos or randomness. Many of the things we hear, 
We never could have thought of on our own, but after looking back, we're like, yeah, that makes sense, okay? So just to review, we quiet ourselves, we come to God with a question, we look at Jesus with the eyes of our heart. We pay attention to the flow of thoughts and images and ideas that come. We write them down in childlike faith, and then we test them later. So as we close, God wants a relationship with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants us to talk back to him. And, and we need to hear God. I believe this is the most important part of our faith, is this regular communication back and forth between us and God. It's what we need to grow, and I think it's what the church needs right now. It's, it's the heart of revival, is that relationship with God. And so I just wanna challenge us. Like, could we commit to making some time for practicing this this week? Some of you guys need to hear God's voice. You really do. And I know you're busy. I know there's all kinds of things going on. But man, we could just take 20 or 30 minutes and bring these burning things to Jesus, then we would find, as he speaks back to us, an incredible sense of peace and direction and power, okay? And so just as I close, I'll just share about another boy. Uh, for, you know, Sarah wrote this first boy, and he didn't write back, okay? But there was a second boy that Sarah wrote to. Now, she was a little older at the time. I think she was about 24, um, and she met this other boy at, uh, you know, an event, as some kind of Christian event, and, um, and she liked him, and she started writing letters to him. And, um, and unlike the first boy, he wrote back to her. And so these letters went back and forth, you know. And, um, and as they communicated back and forth, they fell in love. And eventually they got married. And you can guess who the other boy was. That was me. I wrote back to her. And I was a smart one. And I have all those letters. And I have them in a box. And they're my prized, treasured possessions. And so could it be that God wants to talk to you the same way that I wanted to talk to my wife-to-be? And that those journal entries of two-way conversation between you and God could be your prized possessions and his for all eternity. May it be so. Amen.